Old Handy Dufresne, he knew what to do with time. He had all the time in the world, and he transformed himself from an inmate to a man sitting on a beach. And that's my impersonation of Old Red, one of the best movies of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. And this episode of the Rockman cast is going to be on time. What do you think? That was pretty, that was pretty good. Come on. Friends of the Rockney cast, we're going to do our final episode on Atomic Habits, and this is related to time. This is going to be probably one of my best Rockney casts ever. This will be the one that will catalyze and launch my podcast from mere 10 to, to hundreds to, to maybe thousands. And so hopefully you guys will actually listen to this and spread the word because this is going to be a really good one. And I know a lot of you are thinking like, oh my God, time, like how boring is that? Like time, that's going to be so boring. It's going to be total bullshit, but it's going to be really good because of all the times I think when you are happiest in your life. And when you are most miserable in your life, one of the key drivers of both your well-being as well as your misery is time and mastery over time. So we're going to cover time and mastery over time on this particular podcast, and you are going to love it. Damn it, you're going to love it. You're going to take it. You're going to love it. Um. And so we're going to cover in particular the work of Tim Ferriss um, and his book, The 4-Hour Work Week. And I'm going to give you some kernels of wisdom from that book, a little bit of the critique of that book, and um, I think some of the limitations of the book, and he'd probably acknowledge these are some of the limitations. Um, but we're going to cover stoicism. And of course, you know, it's kind of funny as I was thinking about preparing for today's podcast, um, I was thinking about mixing together stoicism and the work of Tim Ferriss. And I forgot, like in my notes in the Tim Ferriss book, The Four Hour Work Week, that um, he's a total stoic. He didn't say it outright, but all of his book recommendations are from Seneca and from Zorba the Greek. It's just very Mediterranean, very stoic. And of course, then I'm going to also um, give you some quotes from the all-time great uh, stoic Marcus Aurelius. And um, this, is, this is just going to be a really good episode. So I hope you're not disappointed because I'm really pumped up. I was listening to a little Elvis and a little, a little less conversation, a little less action, please. Yeah, so I was getting really pumped up for this podcast. And so maybe you're like, oh my God, you said this is going to be good. And it really kind of sucks. Well, it's not. It's going to be really, really good. So let's start with the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And let's start with the cover. And for those of you who aren't seeing this on YouTube, the cover shows some guy on a beach and hanging in the hammock and probably... There's probably a margarita and like a bush light there somewhere. Because I think this image is what, when most people are at their lowest, whether it's professionally or personally, they're thinking about a scene just like this, that if only they could get to this location with the palm trees swaying 
and the sound of the beach and the sun and getting all wasted and drunk with not a care in the world. Uh, and all you have to do is just get loaded on bush light. Like this is for islands. This is like our dream is to get, is to basically have a case of bush light and just sit on a beach. Right. Then that's what a lot of people think about in terms of like what they would do if they didn't have to work. But friends, I want to ask you, and we'll get into details of this, but sort of the overarching question for you, and it's been an overarching question for me is, is, I sound like I'm a professor, why? Why do we seek to be on the beach? What is it about, as it were, our uh, inner personhood that would lead us to seek such, a, such an outcome? What is it about it? And friends, I would argue that the reason we view this as the ideal state is not because of the, uh, is not because that we're on the beach. And it's not because we're getting loaded on bush light. And for those of you who are looking on YouTube, you can see this picture. It's because what we view as our ideal condition is the abundance of time that we have to do whatever the hell we want. That is what we think is going to happen in retirement, is that we are going to retreat from all the stresses of life, and we're going to do whatever the hell we want. So wealth, well-being, professional acclaim, it all comes down to the same thing. And that is, is time, an abundance of time. And I want you to think through your own life. What are your happiest moments when you think about it? Well, it's likely, um, you know, some of the moments you had growing up. I mean, where, do you remember that, you know, first day when you had school off and you had nothing to do and you could go, you could go in the woods, you could call your friends, you could play tennis, you could, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. You had a surplus of time and you could explore your curiosity. Remember those days of undergraduate when you'd gone out with your friends, you woke up on Saturday morning and all you had to do was just chill out the rest of your, you know, the day. And think about some of the worst moments that you've had. Most likely, there's a lot of things that lead to a bad moment. There can be a health scare. That can be a bad moment. Um, when your boss treats you like shit, that can be a bad moment. But I think of kind of the worst emotional states I've been in. And it usually comes from the direct opposite of this moment, which is, and, and for those of you who are not on YouTube, this is the, the cover of the Tim Ferriss book. It's the opposite of this, where rather than having, you know, being in an ideal location with the waves going or the bush light in our, our palm trees, we are time starved. We're going from one thing to another, and we don't have a time to let our minds settle. And in the moments where we do have time to ourselves, we're anxious that something bad is going to happen, it's going to be infringed on that. We're going to get an email. We're going to get a phone call. We're going to get a text. We're going to get something that's going to cause us, even in those moments 
when we are alone and we do have some time, all of the stresses and cares of the world infringe upon that and we cannot relax. And when you get to that situation that even when you're not doing anything and your time starved, what do you do? You turn to escape through drugs and alcohol or excessive exercise or whatever, and you are in a state of misery. And I look at, you know, when I'm most stressed, when I am most miserable, it's usually when like, holy shit, I got 35 things to do and only two days to do it. Well, what is that? That is time. And, and so I think our greatest moments are those things where we have complete control over our time to do what we were destined to do. And I think some of our most miserable moments are where we have no control over our time. And we are just going from one thing to another, like we're on this merry-go-round and we can't escape that. We have too much to do and not enough time to do it. And we have no control over time. And that's when we start thinking about getting drunk with bush light on the beach, because that then becomes our ideal state. And, and then we kind of think about what we would do when we're retirement. And by the time we get to retirement, we're old, we're fat. And then we start getting really, really weak. And so it's not what it turned out to be. And then we're like, holy shit, I gave up the best years of my life to work for a whole bunch of money. And now I'm old, I'm fat. And yeah, I'm on the beach, but who gives a shit? Because I have nothing to do. I didn't develop any hobbies and I have no purpose. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God. So Tim Ferriss, I think, gets at this. And I think he really gets at sort of a deep understanding that he discovered about himself in terms of what we do with our time. And, you know, there's a lot of reason to love the Stoics. And I love the Stoics for so many different reasons. But one of the most basic reasons that I love the Stoics is that they totally knew and understood the value of time. And there's no greater Stoic than Marcus Aurelius. And, and here's one of the just beauties of Stoicism. The sheer delight that you get from its pessimism. So I think a lot of reasons why we were so turned off by the Stoics in high school, because we viewed them as such freaking killjoys that like we thought they had no emotions and they were no, you know, we're just like, why would we want to do that? But go all pleasure and just sort of, yeah, no, that's a totally incorrect understanding of Stoicism. What they did is, and here's the paradox of Stoicism. I'm sorry, Mom always talks about the paradox. She doesn't really know about the Stoic, but she loves that, does the, like use the Greek word paradox. Is that there's so much joy that you get from realizing certain essential truths that are revealed by Marcus Aurelius. And one of my favorite quotes does relate to time. This episode is on time. And it says, he says, time, remember. And these are just notes to himself. He never expected anyone to read this book. He said, remember, matter, how tiny your share of it. Time, how briefly and fleeting your allotment of it is. And fate, how small a role you play in it. So you think about, especially the last, the second and third time, how briefly and fleeting your allotment of it is. Folks, I am 47 years old. I'm going to turn 48 
in a couple months. And one of the reasons why people have their midlife crisis um, or they get miserable is they come to the following realization is they're like, holy cow, I remember when I was 18 and that does not seem that long ago. And then you subtract and figure out 18 happened 30 years ago. And then if I go 30 years into the future, I'm going to be 78. So this can either make you like jump off a bridge or it can give you a lot of joy. And here's how. Once you really realize that it turns out that our greatest, if, if I were to identify, you know, like my high school motivational speaker, if you remember only one thing, I hope I save one life with this piece of advice. Do not drink and do not drive. Yeah, no. So if, if you remember nothing else, I think the greatest source of well-being that we can all experience is mastery of time. One of the greatest sources of misery is not knowing how to control it because I think time is our scarcest resource, and that's the bad news. Um, the good news is, is assuming we all live a life, you know, hopefully we all make it to like 80 or 90, but even if we don't, on the short end, we got a year. On the long end, we got like 100 years. If you're listening to this, you probably made it to at least 20. Hopefully you're in your middle age. But if you made it this far, you, you have some amount of health and you're not like, you know, on a bed and unconscious, you have some amount of this, this, this candle that you have that you need to do something with your damn life. You hardly have any time, you know, left. Okay. And so I'm just telling you people, you could die tomorrow. The Stoics are obsessed with that. And it's not bad news. It's good news. Because if you realize that fate could strike tomorrow and you could die, Tomorrow, what would you do today? Well, what if you repeat that thought experiment over and over and over and over again? And you're like, what in the hell are you talking about, Cole? What I'm saying is, is that you need to master and appreciate each moment that you have. And here's the key as it relates to the four-hour work week is interestingly enough, Ferris doesn't talk a lot about, he doesn't really define what he means by four-hour work week. What he's basically saying is, is how do you compress this category of activities? And we'll get into the specific book itself. To do a meaningful audit of the negative activities that serve no purpose and don't advance who you were destined to become. They're total waste. And you're like, well, duh. Why, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, who, but, but, but think about how frequently we waste our time. So think about this. When for two things in particular, and here I think it's probably the best the best part of the book. Sorry, Tim. Your book's good. It's not, there's a lot of bullshit in your book. There are some good stuff though. So um, that you will get and you'll get basically just by listening to this podcast. I, I think you should read the book. 
you know, he's obviously made a gazillion bucks. I think he probably got like, he probably sold 2 million copies just because of the damn cover, because everyone thinks that going to that beach and how to get super wealthy to go to the beach is the place to be. But I think there's a deeper profound truth to this. And I think Tim, if you're listening to this, Tim, um, you should, you know, you should reach out to me and say, Oh my God, someone referred to your podcast. That was the best ever. Um, I think what he's saying is this is a state of mind, but the book could also be, and that is being on the beach, you know, to have control over your time, but it could also just be called how to manage your email and how to manage your texts. And this sounds incredibly pedestrian, but when you think about how much cognitive energy we use on our phone through social media and Instagram. And number two, through text messaging, when we're always in our phone, think, are, are your bet, now when you go back and look, you know, at, and you think about how wonderful your life is, are you really going to say like, oh my God, those moments that I had texting were just so awesome. And then with email, I mean, email is something you could literally spend every waking hour doing email and not get anything done. And most of email is total bullshit. Most meetings are a total waste of time. And think about what you could be doing with your time other than email. You could be writing. You could be um, creating. You could be going on a walk with your partner. You could be spending a moment with your sister-in-law like my partner's doing right now. You could be doing all of these different things that we want to do. And so before we get into like what you should use your time for, once you create the abundance, you need to think about what would be the things that encroach upon this beautiful, precious thing called time. Time is more valuable than diamonds. Time is more valuable than gold. Time and what we do with it is the thing that makes us who we are and is the thing that makes us happiest when we have control. That's what a vacation is. It's a cessation from daily activities that allow us to do what we want to do, to see what we want to see and not have someone else like Ted at the office spout negativity towards us. And the two biggest eaters of these, this precious time that we have that serves no purpose are texts and emails. So let's, so he, this book could almost be called like how to manage your inbox. So here I'll give you two concrete recommendations from him that I think are very, very good. And you may have already figured this out. I kind of follow it, but I kind of don't follow it um, in part because I'm, my day job is a lawyer. Uh, and because you never know, like I make 99% of my deadlines are all written down. My hearings are all good to go. I have a fabulous assistant. But every gnawing fear that a lawyer has is there's a hearing taking place and shit. You didn't know about it and you skip it. That's like your greatest fear. So you always want to check your email in the morning just to kind of see that. But that's what I'm trying to get myself out of that habit because what he suggests, and this is really good, and I've, and I've been incorporating this. I, I found my well-being and my productivity has kind of skyrocketed as a result of that is don't check your email. And most of you are in positions, you're not worried. It does not matter when you check the damn email. Do not check your email until 11.30 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon, okay? 
So what, what this will allow you to do is when you wake up early in the morning, and hopefully if you listen to my previous podcast on sleep, you're getting to bed at eight or nine, you're not drinking alcohol in the week. And the absolute gift of that, the immediate gift you get is you wake up in the morning with all of this productive cognitive energy. Your brain at that point, once you get past you know, the, the sleepiness you have. By the way, if you have good sleep, you should wake up immediately feeling rested and you should not be sleepy. Is you have this abundance of time where you can be super productive. You can be creative. You can do the work, the unpleasant tasks you have to do that require creative energy. You have about six really good hours and you cannot waste them. And if you were spending one brain cell on a toxic email from your colleague, Ted, who's raising some concern, or from a client who thinks that something's a, a crisis, but it's really not, you are not serving you and you're not serving your clients. And then what he says is, obviously we have to check our email. We can't not check our email, but he offers specific traffic. So, so you're checking in once a day. And then after a while, people kind of know, well, you're not gonna respond to the email that early in the morning and you develop a system in place that if there truly is a crisis, you will know how to be notified. And how do you know that? He also recommends getting an assistant, which is easier said than done for some people. If you're self-employed, obviously you need to be able to do it. But he, here's one of the things I don't like. He's like, oh, go hire some guy in like India. I've never done one of those virtual assistants, but I, and, and he talks about all the difficulties that he has with it. I'm not gonna do that. But if you have a really good assistant, you can be notified if there's an actual crisis and this can make you feel relaxed. So how do you do this? With liberal use, you know, that vacation autoresponder, do that all the freaking time, right? So if you're traveling, um, rather than have to worry about taking a phone call when you should be focused on the work, on the, on the um, work, you can essentially do an autoresponder and say, hey, if there truly is a crisis, you give it to, you know, my assistant Bill or Diane or whomever, and they'll let me know if there's a real crisis. So then if you know that you have to talk to them, then you can have a secret Gmail number um, that allows you essentially just to get the only truly urgent messages. So you don't have to then use all of your brain cells on these totally unproductive tasks. The same thing is true with text. And, and actually James Clear gets into this too in Atomic Habits. Text for the most part is point to point communication. Your best moments of your life are not going to be because you're texting back and forth, right? Those are not your best moments. So it's clear suggests if you can't manage your text, make your bad habit of checking your text all the time more difficult. So just put your cell phone in the other room while you're doing three hours of good cognitive work. And then go ahead and check it at the end of the morning. Most of us aren't important enough that we need to be on call all the time. And some of you are like, oh my God, yeah, I'm a social worker and I have to, I have to be on call all the time. But here's the thing with that. Because of the nature of our brains, we simply are not capable of being on all the time. You know, Bruce Lee talked about this, um, this kind of state of ready forward, like you're about ready to engage in fight where it's not a relaxed state. But it's not an overly stressed state. It's kind of in the flow state, which is navigated between boredom and anxiety, where you have this good creative energy. So like this morning, I'm in that state. I feel really good. I had a really good night's rest. I've had a lot of coffee, a little bit of cocoa. It's really good. And 
I'm there. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I have this good cognitive state. I got to do a podcast. So hopefully you're, you know, bearing the fruit of that. And if you're, and if you're still listening, hell yeah, you are. So do that. So in sum, Tim Ferriss recommends to basically check your email twice a day and then to get people used to that. And also to use frequent use of your autoresponder. Now, if you're in an office setting and you have to deal with your boss, um, you got to deal with your boss and you got to check and see whether they're okay with that. But if you're self-employed, by all means, do, do that. And then work with your assistants to make sure that you can, that you can actually do that. The second thing he talked about, I don't think this is unique of, um, of Tim Ferriss, is he cites the 80-20 rule, both the positive and negative aspects of this, which is, and I've really started to think about this too, is that 80% of your profit comes from 20% of your activities. Conversely, 80% of your misery comes from 20% of that, you know, your, your negative activities. So if you can really start learning to think about, and if you audit your own life, what are those things where I'm really actually making my money? And what are those things that serve no purpose whatsoever in terms of aggravation? And in terms of, um, you know, again, the negative parts of it, what are those toxic elements of those life that I, I cannot control? Um, and, and, and what are the things that most negatively impact my life? Now, some of you may say, like, well, my boss, my boss is the one. Well, that's something you can't control. You can maybe communicate with your boss, but think about, and this gets back to my Epictetus life audit that I hope you all do. The first line of one of the canons of Stoicism is the Enchiridion with Epictetus that says, you know, basically, the essence of life is focusing on what you can control and letting go of what you can't. So if you start thinking about the things that you can control, and this as it relates to time, some of you are like, I got four kids and Tommy and Sally are always waking me up. And yeah, some of us have more control over our time than others. But for a lot of us, if you find yourself watching TV two to three hours a night, does that help you at all, right? And do you, and if you're drinking every night, are you getting the proper amount of rest that you need to be able to activate that time and early in the morning? I would say it's more likely if you able, are able to get, to, if you can, if you can sit your ass in the recliner for three hours, you know, it's kind of funny. Most people talk about how they don't have any time, but everyone can put this big ass in a recliner and watch Netflix for like four hours. Everyone, everyone finds the time to do that, but they don't find like, I don't have enough time. But, but that's the most important thing is to be able to get a good night's rest so you can activate the morning when you're most productive and when you can get the most things done. So just audit that, write a list and think about of the things I have control, what are the things that um, most add to my daily value? What are the things that I really want to do and that really make me the most well-being and give me a sense of purpose and make me the most money and, and kind of combine all those two? And then conversely, what are the things that are just totally aggravating that serve no purpose whatsoever. And so I'll just give you kind of an illustration, um, you know, and what I try to do in my own life. I think early in my life, especially in my mid-20s and mid-30s, I had a lot of volunteering for stuff. And, and volunteering is really good, but I think volunteering is really great when you have such a surplus of time 
that you um, can volunteer in which it doesn't adversely affect your health, your loved ones, or your work. Okay. If you can volunteer your time where it doesn't affect those three things, by all means do it. I think this is what retirees should do because there's a downside to having too much time if you're not using it for purpose. But if you're engaging, I had an opportunity to be in a community corral this fall. I didn't do it even though I really wanted to because I knew I didn't have that two to three hours of time. I just didn't have that this fall. Maybe I'll do it in the future. Um, text. Something my daughter points out to me quite frequently is how much I'm online, right? And so I, of course, I screw up and I'm, I waste a lot of time. Some of you have seen my Facebook videos and Instagram videos. So I, I waste a lot of time on, on social media. But what if I use that time for productive purposes? And one of the ways that I've lost so much weight is if I have an hour, I'm like, heck, I can do some high intensity training. I can do 10 push-ups. I can do things that will make me feel a lot better. And in terms of um, aggravation, emails and texts, if you can get rid of those or start controlling those, you're going to unlock a lot of time. The second thing relates to, I think, morning. If you can find abundance during the morning, it is going to totally transform your life. And I think it's probably more likely that you're going to have the time in the morning than in the evening where it's uninterrupted. So if you can unlock that time between 5 and 7.30, you got two hours to do creative, good work, whether it's working out, whether it's going on a walk, all those different things. So you ask yourself, you're like, what? what should I do with all this time? Once you start unlocking that, you try to ask yourself the following. And here we, here we get into Jay Shetty's work, Think Like a Monk. What are the things that reaffirm the identity? What are the activities? This is what Clear gets into too in his work, Atomic Habits. What are the things that affirm and advance my identity? And what are the things that detract from that? So I'm all about watching Netflix. Sometimes, you know, I, I think when you're watching TV, consider that akin to when you're actually sleeping, right? That, that is like a sleep rest time, which you do need to do a little bit. But for the most part, TV does not advance who we are destined to become as a person. It has, it has no connection to that. Um, who do you want to become? Do you want to become a fit person? Well, what are the types of activities that a fit person does? Well, they exercise, they walk, they get up early, they don't drink a lot of alcohol, they do push-ups. I am a podcaster. And here we get into Aristotle. What do you do professionally? You are what you repeatedly do. So if I'm a podcaster, I have to put out podcasts for you to enjoy and listen to. And that's why on Saturday morning, I freaking love it. Like, I hope at some point I can make this into a career because I love doing this. This is fun for me. And if I can actually monetize it, it'd be really cool. So that's why you guys have to spread the word of what I'm trying to do so I can like live this out. But I'm doing it. But I would do it for free, and I'm pretty much in right now. And that is because I love doing what I'm doing, to share what I've learned to improve your life. So that is the work of, of Tim Ferriss. And I, and I do encourage you to read the book. There's a lot in here. There's a lot that I'm like, eh, 
I think really what he's getting at, and, and, I, and I'm also, oh, there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about from the book. But ultimately, I think what he's saying is once you really start to master time, and I, I, I started to do that a little bit better, this feeling of being on the beach with bush light in front of you for the whole day is really kind of a state of mind. And if you learn how to master time, you are going to be able to have that sense of feeling, but it's going to be even better than being on the beach. Because, you know, as Rogan talked about, and um, who's that Canadian guy that does all that really inspiring stuff, you know, that kind of conservative guy, I forget his name. He can't be that famous if I forget his name. But if you are on the beach like this, you're going to get really fat and you do that every single day. You have to stay sharp. And this is why if you get, you got to find an activity that's going to make you feel like if you, if you could do anything you wanted to do until the day you die, what, you, what would you do? And number two, would you do it for free? And number three, does it serve someone else? Because if it doesn't serve someone else, in such a way that they're willing to give you resources to do it. That's just kind of a hobby. Like right now, my podcast is just a hobby because it is not something that pays the bills. So I, I have to be able to work. So that's, I think, really the key when we think about this. So one recommendation of the book that I am going to try out, and I think this is just a question of focus. One of the things you have more control over your time when you engage in planning. So the farther and farther you plan out into the future, the more and more frequently you can take extended amount of times off. Conversely, if you don't plan ahead, you're going to have less and less time that you would have because a lot of people might have two or three weeks off of the year, but they're not making adequate planning. And so they, stuff comes around and all of a sudden, if you don't protect and provide boundaries around your time, someone else is going to take it. So he suggests what he calls mini retirements, taking two to four weeks off, in some cases, maybe even more throughout the year, and planning those and being in another location and recharging the batteries in that way, in which you basically totally unplug and do fun stuff. So rather than saving all your money when you're old and gray, he says, start doing that right now. Now, obviously, this is kind of applied more to if you're um, you know, an entrepreneur and have control over your time and you're in a position to be able to do that, but even if you're working for someone else, what are those little mini increments that you do have control over that you can plan? So if, if most of you have a weekend, you know, we don't live in 1875 where we have to you know, work 100 hours a week. If you're working 40 hours a week, control over your weekends. Do not let other people take time from you on your weekend. Protect that for you and your family, and then do those repeated activities that really make you who you were destined to become. So I'm spending my Saturday morning uh, on this podcast because this is what I want to become, a podcaster. So and he also has a couple of really good recommendations. Of course, he recommends Stoics because Stoics are obsessed with time and our tiny allotment of it. So he recommends Seneca, Letters from Seneca, who he's basically... You know, the greatest Stoic of all time is Marcus Aurelius. And number two is pretty much Seneca. So like the Beatles, like, you know, I suppose that John Lennon would be Marcus Aurelius and then Paul McCartney would be Seneca. And then like, I got a soft spot for Musonius Rufus. He's kind of like the Ringo star 
of Stoics, but you know, and then the third of the constellation is Epictetus. Epictetus is pretty big, so he's kind of like the George Harrison of the four Stoic superstars. So he recommends Letters from Seneca, and he also recommends Zorba the Greek. I've never heard of this book, so I'm actually going to read it. And then also, I give up. I'm finally going to read Victor Frankl's Life's Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, it seems like everywhere I go, people recommend this book. So I'm finally going to read the damn thing, and I'll probably do a separate podcast on it. So this concludes my series on Atomic Habits. Um, James Clear book is kind of a life-changing book. And um, I think for our work week, I would agree with all of it. I mean, some of it's kind of like automate everything and, you know, take six weeks off. Like you just, some of the stuff you just can't do if you have kids or, or whatever. But if you start thinking about and organizing your financial activities based upon time, rather than the acquisition of commodities. So like, for example, my goal is to really get my house paid off. Well, what, what will happen once I pay my house off? Well, I won't have to worry about that. And that's not something I'll have to work to do. Instead, we spend so much time working to get these things that don't unlock the abundance of time, which I would argue other than health, and a relationship. Those are two big ones in terms of your own happiness. Time, an abundance of time. And you think about this. Um, think about, would you trade places for a second with Donald Trump? He has all the money in the world. He has all the, we don't know how much money he actually has, but it's another topic. But just sort of, he's super, super rich. This is more money than I do anyway. And yet, would you want to be in his shoes where all of his time is occupied by other people on investigations, talking to lawyers, running for a campaign? I don't even think he really wants to run for president. I just think he wants to do it because he realizes that if he doesn't, he's going to become indicted. So now I think he feels like he has to. And he has no control over his time. And you're like, oh my God, are you attacking Donald Trump? I'm not, I'm not attacking. I just wouldn't want to trade place for him. If I had to choose, so I want to ask you a question. If you had to pick, door number one is you could be a multi-gazillionaire. Like, let's say you get like a billion dollars. But in exchange for being a billion dollars, you would have no free time. You'd be super stressed out and you'd be really fat. That's door number one. Door number two, you could be like that liberal arts guy that went out into the wild, you know, that John Krakauer book. And you're skinny, you're fit, you got a hot ass partner, and you got all the time in the world to do what you love, which is to travel and to soak up the sun and the moon and the fresh air. Which would you pick? But yet, so many of us pick a smaller version of door number one. And so many of us ignore door number two. And of course, these are kind of caricatures. Sometimes you got to be in door number one, and, and, you know, especially when you're middle age and you got kids and you got to make a living and you got to work hard. You got to, I mean, you got to contribute something, people. It can't always be about you. It has to be about serving a purpose to the benefit of other people. And that's, you know, my big takeaway from that Jay Shetty book, Think Like a Monk, is that, 
your thing that you love to do, it has to serve someone else. And if it doesn't, it's not your passion. It's not your dharma. It's not your vocation. And it's not your calling. It's what do you love to do that redounds to someone else's benefit? That's the key. That's the magic. When you find your bliss and your bliss benefits other people, as opposed to just getting high and stoned all the time, it doesn't serve anyone. So I hope you found this podcast um, as enjoyable as I did and putting it on. I think when you think about your life and you audit and you start organizing your life regarding those things which give you the abundance of time that you can fruitfully use, because if you don't use it, I mean, here's the other pitch. Remember Buster Douglas? He knocked out Mike Tyson. And so he, I don't think he made a ton of money on that fight, but like the following fights to defend, this is like late 80s, early 90s. He got a huge purse to fight because he became the heavyweight champion of the world and made millions of dollars. He did what all of us would do if we wanted a ton of money. He basically just went to the beach and drank and got fat. And he wasn't, he didn't have anything to live for. And that's where people, like when they win the lottery and they can get all the things that they want. Here's, I think, probably the greatest advice is that we think getting a whole bunch of money is going to give us happiness. And I think it does. I think it does give us happiness when it allows us to fill our needs in a way in which we can do what we want to do to serve other people. It's that first day of school, you know, when you're finished, that kind of feeling. When you have that feeling and you can do it, yeah, then it does make you happy. But if it's just to buy things and you're constantly trying to get more and more things, but you're fat and you're out of shape and you're stressed out, it becomes like this, this shimmer off on, under the ocean or under the desert and you're constantly chasing after it and you're never getting it. And then by the time you think that you have everything you want, you're too old, you're too fat. You can sit on the beach, but all you can do is just, you know, put, put the bush light on your beer belly. You're not happy at that point. And I think being on the beach is really good. And I, I definitely want to do that. I mean, I don't mind trying it at some point just to, I mean, we could do a podcast on my 30 day experience about, you know, drinking bush light on the beach, like how much weight I put on. Like, I don't know. I'm, only, I'm probably at least going to try at some point, even though I'm kind of reeling against it. But it's meant to be something to recharge your batteries where you can then go back and be productive. So to get into your flow state. At some point, I'm going to do a book, uh, book with you on that. So I hope you found this particular podcast as entertaining as I did to um, put it together. I think it is something I think I have learned. Um, and I think I've done pretty well mastering some of these elements. I'm a work in progress in other things. So we're going to continue to do a lot of high-quality content on the episode on, on the Rocky Cast. I'm going to try to reach out to some of my old professors and see if I can get them to come on. I'm hoping to interview the Lupin football coach. Um, I'm going to continue to do a lot of book reviews on various books that I really like. But this is Tim Ferriss. It wasn't as much a review. It was just kind of a meditation on some of the things that I worked. But it almost could be called how to, how to manage your email. I mean, I'm serious. Like, I think he probably sold more books on the damn cover than he did the content. The book's good, though. I mean, Tim, if you're listening to this, don't be offended um, as you cash your checks and stuff like that. But that is the goal, is with a brief a lot of time, a time that we have, how do we use it? 
So um, this was fun. And this is kind of like therapy for me. I get to talk to all of you. None of you reach out to me though. There's like 10 of you who frequently listen. So reach out to me for once just to confirm like who you are. Because I know some of you are listening quite frequently. I'm also going to do some follow-up on some of my health stuff with like um, Kankara Lee. That's like my, my, my most listens of all time. But I do not want to become the Tankara Lee podcast. That for those of you who didn't listen to it, it's like how to increase your testosterone and your libido and other things like that. And it's like people are listening to it like crazy, but I, I just can't, I just can't do it only on Tankara Lee. But I think I'm going to do a follow-up on Tankara Lee because it's just been like super, super well listened to. And then I'm going to do a lot, I think I'll do some on lawyer wellness. I'm going to do some on the I live in the Driftless region. So I'm going to do some travel. On my various travels in the diff in the driftless regions, it's just going to be really good. So you know, when I set out to start this podcast, I wanted it to be kind of like whatever the hell I was interested in, and I I did not want to be limited by a topic, you know, because you know you're you're supposed to do that, but I just found that too confining. I have a friend of mine who's a full time YouTuber, and he he's kind of getting bored with it because he's so narrow. Like he's super successful, but I don't know. I don't want to do that. I want to do whatever the hell I'm interested in, and that's what I'm continue to do. And if you don't like it, you can listen to like 10,000 other podcasts. But I do have gratitude for each and every one of you who listen to me. And together, we're going to continue to build this community. I have infinite gratitude to all of you. And uh, continue to stay in tuned. Give me positive reviews on Spotify, Apple, and all places where podcasts are heard. And spread the word. And please share this with friends so we can grow this audience. And I hope you respond and share with me that some of the things that you've learned from this so I can correct or things you don't like if I ramble too much. I don't know if I'll be able to correct all of that because it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever the hell I want. So start your own damn podcast. You got some feedback. So, all right. Well, thank you for tuning in until next time on the Rocky cast. <laughs>